It is the sentence of this court that Theseus Cyprianus be executed with the sword. Cyprian, thanks be to God. Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod President Pastor Matt Harrison speaking at this year's Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. So, I would rather lay down on this spot and have my head chopped off than give up the Word of God. But with that strong, biblically informed conscience, I shall face my day and age. You shall face this day and age. We will confess Christ no matter what we face. And we will bear witness to a better way in Jesus. Come what may. Amen. You can watch and listen to Pastor Matt Harrison making the case for the Lutheran option from the 2023 Making the Case Conference for a $300 gift by Labor Day. You can access an on-demand video stream or download a podcast of the entire conference. Order today at issuesetc.org. The countries that protect religious freedom are those who provide the best treatment to minorities and the most vulnerable among us. God never says anything about you being happy. That's not the goal of life. And that's shocking, frankly, to a lot of people, even a lot of Christians. They're shocked to hear that God doesn't care if they're happy because they're convinced that's the whole goal of life, isn't it? The resurrection of Christ means that the roof has been blown off and the heavens are not made of brass. God became man. And this man brings not merely life over death, but he brings abundant life in the here and now. The gift of private confession and absolution, that is specifically there for those kind of moments where you are feeling the power of your sin and it's really bugging you. The youth of Holy Cross Lutheran Church, Carlisle, Iowa, love listening to Issues Etc. on their way to higher things. The ordination of women to the pastoral office is a settled question in a lot of churches. The Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, they settled that question a long time ago and have moved on to ordain LGBTQ persons to the pastoral office as well. In my church body, it's settled in the other direction. There will be no female pastors, although there are still a few in my church body, the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate, who secretly pine for a day when there will be. The Lutheran Church of Australia, they have been arguing about this And the issue remains unsettled, even though the Bible is quite clear on the subject, for three decades now. Why such a long battle over the ordination of women? Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc., coming to you live this Friday afternoon, July the 28th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to spend some time talking about the battle over female pastors in the Lutheran Church of Australia with Dr. Stephen Peace. She formerly served as a professor at Australian Lutheran College. Brian Westbrook, Executive Director of Coalition Life, joins us to talk about a new Illinois law that penalizes crisis pregnancy centers. Then Dr. Daniel Zager, author of the new book, Lutheran Music and Meaning, will be alongside. We'll discuss Lutheran theology and music. Dr. Stephen Peach is Professor of Practical Theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. He formerly served as a professor at Australian Lutheran College, and he's one of the signatories of A Letter of Confession. Dr. Peach, welcome. Thank you, Todd. What does the Bible itself have to say about female pastors? That's the key question, of course, if you're a Lutheran. And what what Scripture has to teach us is pretty clear in the view of many and throughout the history of the church. You have those two clear passages in 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Timothy chapter 2, where it fairly clearly says that 
the role of women in the church is not to teach publicly in the assembly of the church. Those are the two passages that are actually uh, quoted in the Lutheran Church of Australia's Thesis of Agreement, our doctrinal statement, as the passages which preclude women from being ordained in the church. And I think these are the two passages that are also key for the LCMS. Those passages, uh, some would like to say that they merely imply that women ought not to be ordained. Would you go so far as to say that the apostle there is explicitly forbidding women to occupy mm. the pastoral office? Well, it's, it's an interesting thing. A lot depends, well, for many anyway, a lot depends on the meaning of the phrase, the command of the Lord in 1 Corinthians 14, I think it's verse 37. Some people say that that command of the Lord is not related to what Paul says earlier on in that passage where he says that women are, are not to speak publicly and not to hold authority over men in the assembly. It's interesting that the debate about that continues in some places, but from where I'm sitting uh, exegetically, I can't see that uh, there's any other way to take that passage. It's fairly clear. I don't think it, I don't think it implies uh, what St. Paul is saying here. He says it's a command of the Lord. It's a dominical command. He says it applies to all the churches. As with all the saints, this is a command of the Lord. This is how things are to be practiced in the church. So to answer your question, no, I don't think it's unclear. In fact, I've been looking at these passages and struggling with them myself for over 30 years. They've become more and more clear to me, not less and less so. Historically, how has the church regarded women's ordination? Well, very interestingly, I would say the weight of evidence would strongly lob on the side of the current teaching of the Lutheran Church of Australia and many other Orthodox Lutheran churches throughout the world that women should not be ordained. And these two passages have played a key role throughout the history of the church. And part of all of that too is the whole role of men and women in the order of creation. And I think that in past ages of the church, that creation theology and the role of man and woman in creation has been much clearer. And so this question of whether women could be ordained has not been dealt with a lot in the history of the church because there's been a basically an acceptance of the order of creation and of these two passages. You have that famous, very pithy and rather controversial statement by John Chrysostom who said that the woman taught once and ruined everything. And his point is that this is not the role that women should be taking in God's created order and in the order of the church. That's a very controversial um, statement that he made there, but that's the thrust of what he means. You mentioned the order of creation. Just be a little more explicit on that. What are you talking about? So in the order of creation, uh, if you read Genesis, you have a fairly clear picture that men and women have their different roles to play. You have the teaching uh, of male headship, which is not about male power. It's about male uh, leadership and the complementary roles of men and women. And this order of creation is reflected in the First Timothy passage. I think it's not fashionable to talk about this at the moment, of course, because of the um, strong influence of feminism in Western culture. But I think that 
scripture definitely does give us a picture of male headship, not male power, not male domineering behavior, but male leadership under God. How do you respond to someone who says that the Lutheran confessions don't mention the ordination of women? Therefore, they imply an open question. Mm. Well, it's a very interesting thing that the Lutheran confessions, as Hermann Zusser once said, are not exhaustive, right? They address issues which were controverted at the time. Um, when I'm teaching students the Augsburg Confession in the past, of they, they say, well, we expected something more like a complete statement of faith that doesn't deal with this and doesn't deal with that. Well, it deals with a lot of important matters of faith and belief, but it doesn't deal with absolutely everything because it's dealing chiefly with things that are controverted. Same with the rest of the Lutheran confessions. The formula of Concord doesn't touch on every single matter that could be debated or could be questioned because a lot of these matters were uncontroversial. At the time of the Lutheran confessions, the ordination of men only was an uncontroversial matter. It was accepted and practiced and never appreciably comes up. Luther mentions this whole thing in relation to these two passages and he talks again chiefly about the order of creation there and he says, no, this is about the way God has set things up and who leads and then who receives that leadership and works together with it. So the Lutheran confessions don't mention it. They don't mention a lot of other things either. It doesn't mean that we don't have clear and well-defined teachings on those things or that they're open questions because the confessions don't mention them because they are dealing chiefly with controverted issues. What is the current state of the debate over the ordination of women in the Lutheran Church of Australia? Okay, well, it's a complex situation. I'll try to simplify it a little bit, but this uh, debate has been going on now for 30 years. I was ordained in the late 1980s in the Lutheran Church of Australia, and that's about the time when the whole thing started to be discussed and debated. And the whole thing has been debated now at General Synod, Convention of Synod for the LCA five times and voted down five times. And yet it keeps coming up again and again because of the fact that the vote required on a doctrinal change in the Lutheran Church of Australia has to have a two-thirds majority. And the ordination of women resolutions that have been voted on have failed to gain a two-thirds majority, although they have gained a simple majority. And so the effect of this is that you have a large sections of the church on opposing sides of the debate. And uh, I don't think it's inaccurate to say that the church is in general numerical terms probably divided down the middle here. And so this is why the issue keeps coming up and why people feel unable to let go of it. And so the past attempts to try and resolve this theologically and doctrinally and biblically have not worked. And uh, at our last General Convention of Synod last year, the retiring bishop said that, well, obviously this is a matter that cannot be determined by Scripture. And so that kind of statement that came from him uh, was a bit of a watershed because 
this kind of has marked the the new strategies that are being tried now to try and find some way through this impasse. And so what's being investigated now is the idea of having one church with, and the rhetoric is one teaching, two practices. So the idea that you could have a synodical church body where you have some districts of the church body that accept and practice the ordination of women and some districts that do not, while at the same time signing on to and in theory confessing the rest of the church's public teaching together. So that's the current state of things. The next General Synod is coming up later on in next year in 2024, and that whole question of whether we can uh, have these districts that do ordain women, districts that don't ordain women, or whether indeed there needs to be a separation or how some kind of institutional unity at least could be preserved. So that's where the debate is up to. If I'm correct, and, and please correct me if I'm not, this has been an issue ever since the formation of the LCA, but that the initial agreement of that merger was that the church body would never ordain women. Am I correct? The thesis of agreement, which was the the statement agreed upon by the two churches that came together and amalgamated in 1966 in part six, paragraph 11, clearly says women are prohibited from the pastoral office because of these two passages. That was never a controversial matter at the time of the union of the two churches and indeed that position and that teaching was accepted by everybody and it wasn't controversial. It didn't become controversial, I would suggest, until about the mid to late 1980s. That's when the whole question started to be explored by the Lutheran Church of Australia's Commission for Theology and Interchurch Relations, the CTICR. At that time, they initially came out in favour of the ordination of women. Then there was uh, an ongoing, following that, there was an ongoing debate. So, no, I would say for, from 1966 through to the mid to late 1980s, this whole question was uncontroverted in the LCA. Dr. Stephen Peach is our guest. We're talking about the battle over female pastors in the Lutheran Church of Australia. What arguments are made by those favoring the ordination of women? So that whole Old Testament, then even the New Testament, can be seen as like, where is this promised child? Dr. Adam Philippic, author of The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for July, Life in Christ, Rooted, Woven, and Grafted into God's Story. Who's going to crush the head of the serpent and give us back the very presence of God, that land that we dwelt with God in, no sorrow, no suffering, no sin, no death, but in his presence permanently. Learn more about life in Christ at issuesetc.org. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com.
Confessional Lutherans, we've got your back. You're listening to Issues Etc. When you hear the word heresy, what do you think of? Do you think of some ancient debate the church has gotten over and forgotten? Do you think of some stubby old theologians just arguing over things that don't matter? There's a lot more to heresies than you might think. And that's what the August issue of The Lutheran Witness is all about. Heresies, ancient and modern. To pick up your copy, visit cph.org witness or visit our website, witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. At Hope Lutheran Church in Sunbury, Ohio, you will find rest for your soul, strength for the day, forgiveness of sins, and hope for the future through Jesus Christ. Because at Hope, You'll hear the Word of God faithfully taught and receive the sacrament faithfully delivered. This is Pastor Ben Meyer inviting you to join us at Hope for Bible class and Sunday school at 9.15 a.m. and the Divine Service at 8 and 10.30 a.m. Find us on the web at hopelutheransunbury.org. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. On this Friday, July the 28th, we're talking about the battle over female pastors in the Lutheran Church of Australia. Dr. Stephen Peach is our guest. Dr. Peach, what are the arguments that are made by those favoring the ordination of women there? It's very interesting. That's changed. Over the time that I've been involved with this debate, directly and indirectly, the ground has shifted significantly there. Until, I would say, a couple of years ago, the pro-ordination of women side of the debate in the Lutheran Church of Australia were working with the biblical passages, reading them and trying to explain why they were unclear in regard to the ordination of women or why they did not apply as they did in the early church or why they clearly did not prohibit the ordination of women. And so you could go back into the history of that debate and see a lot of um, voluminous long papers arguing those different points. But more typically, I would say recently in the last few years, I would say the ground has shifted and people are putting forward very much the simple kind of, I would say, a feminist viewpoint that women simply must have all the opportunities and all of the roles open to them that are open to men. And this is kind of put forward as a a kind of a general biblical principle, although no real passages are ever adduced for that. But it's put forward as almost a kind of a human rights question or a question of natural justice. And the whole thing of freedom, love and openness and all of those things, those are the kind of uh, language that's being used now. It's interesting that I haven't heard any other arguments or any other kind of rhetoric than that for, I would say, the last 12 months. And indeed, this is one of the most dire things about the whole situation, is that now scripture is being pushed out of the picture and is not being allowed to determine a important central matter of Christian doctrine and practice in the church. So it sounds to me like it's an entirely cultural argument rather than any type of theological argument. Well, I would agree with you. I'm sure if I put that to some of my 
compatriots in the LCA, they would say, oh, no, but it's all about Jesus preached love. He preached um, inclusivity and he accepted women. He loved women. So you get this kind of generalized rhetoric, but there's no bracing of the real question. Of course, Jesus loved and accepted women. He loved all people, but he, he did not ever teach clearly that women should be ordained or that, and, and in, indeed, I think one of the very important things to note here is that Jesus called 12 men as his apostles, his disciples. So you see what I mean, that there's a kind of generalized, there can be sometimes a bit of a generalized biblical view quoted in support of it, but there's no real biblical argument that addresses the key points. Indeed, if you do try to address the key points, the conversation quickly comes to a standstill because the proponents of women's ordination, the LCA now, are really not interested in those biblical questions and biblical arguments anymore. Why has this debate been so prolonged? Why can the ELCA not simply say this matter is settled? We have, I think you said five times, turned back this question. Well, that's a very good question. Any organisation that kept voting on the same question that was resolved five times the same way in a row, I mean, you've got to ask about what's going on, don't you? The issue, I think, has continued to be protracted because of the fact that increasingly, and I say this not in judgment, simply a fact, that increasingly the leaders of the Lutheran Church of Australia, its College of Bishops in particular, have increasingly become supportive of the ordination of women and the current Bishop of the Lutheran Church of Australia, Paul Smith, is a supporter of the ordination of women, as was the previous bishop. And I think that the decision, the key decisions and the driving direction of the leadership of the church has played its role here in the continuation of the debate. And, uh, of course, you have this, this other matter which I mentioned before, that while... There is a simple majority, although not a two-thirds majority, voting in favour at general synods. People have continued to use that as the point of justification for the matter coming up again and again. So in Australia, we have this uh, strong culture of everybody gets a go. The matter should be resolved fairly. And I think that people have continued to hang on to this issue and not let it drop because they feel strongly about it. And uh, although they've never been able to get a two-thirds majority at a general synod, very strange set of events. And to answer your question clearly, I would say I don't know why, (laughs) but I think there are some influences at work in the background. Those failures to get a two-thirds majority but still get a simple majority, have those numbers moved around at all? In the first few times that the vote was taken, that simple majority grew somewhat. But interestingly, at the last two general conventions where it's been voted on, in both cases, I'm fairly sure of my facts here, that majority was decreased. And so I think that at the last two synods, that simple majority in favour of the ordination of women has shrunk. And I do think that the pro-women's 
ordination lobby in the Lutheran Church of Australia has become perhaps more vocal in the last little while is because they can see the numbers shrinking as people, well, quite frankly, are sick of the whole issue, want to get on with other things in the church, want to talk about something else, want to address some of the other pressing needs we have. So, yeah, the numbers have changed. Who knows what will happen in uh, 2024 when uh, this whole issue comes up again. What is this proposal, or at least this idea, that the last general convention decided to study one church, two practices? So this is the resolution that was voted through at the last general convention somewhat controversially. And this proposal is that the church is going to go away between now and the next general synod and study this idea that... The Lutheran Church of Australia could have, and these are the, this is the language that's being used, one teaching about ordination but two practices. From my point of view, it's two different teachings and two different practices. That point of view is shared by many people, and that's in fact one of the key points in the letter of confession that you mentioned. But what's proposed then is that the church will look for a way that it can have some section of the church that is open to the ordination of women, teaches and practices the ordination of women, while other districts of the church don't. There could be perhaps a special non-geographical district of the Lutheran Church of Australia that embraces the ordination of women, while the others don't. Or there could be one of the geographical districts that embraces the ordination of women and the others don't. All sorts of possibilities are being talked about there. On the floor of Synod, there was no clarity reached about whether or not the church should go away and look at the point that it might need to actually have two different synods, two different confessional bodies and split in terms of having two different church bodies teaching and practicing two different things. So this is the thing that's being studied and the uh, College of Bishops have set up working groups and they're going to come back and report at the next General Synod next year. And, yeah, this is where the whole thing will, will go from here. So the letter of confession says you cannot have a confessional Lutheran church body that teaches and practices two mutually contradictory things. And, in fact, the letter of confession says if the church moves towards trying to institute such a thing, we will remain with the church's teaching. And it makes clear, the letter of confession makes clear that if the Lutheran Church of Australia does that, it is moving away from its own stated public teaching. And those who've signed the letter of confession say, we're not moving away from that. We intend somehow, in some way, to stay loyal to our public teaching as it's defined already, has been since 1966. And that we want to stay loyal to Scripture and loyal to the teaching of ordination that we have had up to this point. So this is, a, I think, a moment of great significance for the Lutheran Church of Australia and indeed, who knows, may signal the end of the Lutheran Church of Australia as one, as one synod. We don't know exactly how it will work out. We pray that um, God somehow preserves the unity and the faithfulness of his church but we don't know what will happen. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. We're talking with Dr. Stephen Peach 
about the battle over female pastors in the Lutheran Church of Australia. Folks, Luther Academy serves Lutheran pastors to the ends of the earth. Find out about this confessional Lutheran worldwide mission outreach at lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. On the other side, what happens if one church, two practices is adopted? Was the reformer Martin Luther innovating or in error when he added the word alone to Romans 3.28, for we hold that one is justified by faith alone apart from works of the law? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. journal. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. Donna Harrison details her journey to confessional Lutheranism from Catholicism, Scientism, Mysticism, and Evangelicalism. The free online Issues Etc. journal. Just click the red journal subscription button at issuesetc.org. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod cares deeply for those who protect our nation. Are you or a loved one currently serving? Ministry to the Armed Forces would like to help. We provide devotional literature to encourage faith. Send your mailing address to lcmschaps at lcms.org or call us at 314-996-1337. Those in uniform are comforted with Psalm 28. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and He helps me. Are you attending the LCMS National Convention? Ad Crucem is partnering with Confessional Lutheran Fellowship of Facebook to help members of CLF identify each other at the convention. If you're a member of CLF, pop on over to our booth to get your free CLF sticker and to see all our wonderful Christ-focused products. Visit adcrucem.com or booth 222 at the LCMS Convention. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial-A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial-A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. We're supported by listeners like you. You're listening to Issues Etc. I think every man, every Christian should consider, at least, the possibility of God calling him into the holy ministry. Issues Etc. regular guest, Dr. Carl Fakencher of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Because that's the way that God has designed for faith in Christ Jesus to be spread, for the gift of eternal life that Christ Jesus earned by his death and resurrection to be shared with people by the washing of baptism for infants and for adults, for the instruction, the proclamation of the word that happens uh, on a nonstop basis in God's kingdom. God uses people, he uses men, to be those proclaimers, to be those men who who share the, the sacraments. If you've ever considered becoming a pastor, contact Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Their phone number, 1-800-481-2155, 1-800-481-2155, or visit ctsfw.edu.
Welcome back. We're talking about the battle over female pastors in the Lutheran Church of Australia. Dr. Stephen Peach is our guest, formerly served as a professor at Australian Lutheran College. Dr. Peach, before the break, we were talking about that one church, two practices proposal. What happens if it's adopted? Then I think that you will have a group of people from the Lutheran Church of Australia leave and set up a new church body. If you're asking me, that's an opinion question you've just asked me, and that's what I've just given you. is That's an opinion on the basis of what I've seen and heard from other members of the LCA. Indeed, there are people wondering how and what this might all, you know, how they might do it and what this all might mean. But I think that, sadly, I think that there will be a, a split in among Lutherans in Australia if this teaching and practice as it's proposed goes through. Do the proponents of the ordination of women in the Lutheran Church of Australia, do they not see the course, the trajectory of Lutheran church bodies that have decided to do this and where they have gone? And I'm thinking in particular about here in America, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is one of the this is one of the significant things that we've well, that I've and others have continued to point to uh, is that the moment Scripture is pushed out of the picture and is not seen as authoritative and sufficient and key to defining what the church does and how it does it, the moment Scripture is out of the picture, then basically you've got a free-for-all. And this is what's happened in many different places and we've pointed this out, but I think that there are, you know, and again, the historical thing is that people in other churches have said, well, look, we're going to ordain women, but we're not going to embrace this change. and We're not going to have that ideology take over and we're not going to accept that. That's wrong. But then you find that as soon as you've bulldozed scripture out the way, there's nothing stopping people from forcing in these other agendas and other ideologies and other practices that are unbiblical. And so, I don't know, do they not see? And they appear not to see, or they appear to think that unlike every other church which has embraced the ordination of women, that it somehow things will work out differently. I have friends and colleagues who say this uh, in the LCA, and I, I'm afraid I differ my position uh, it differs from theirs. Why is it vital for the future of the Lutheran Church of Australia that it not ordain women to the pastoral office? Well, because it's not biblical to do so. <laughs> it's not confessional to do so because it ignores key passages of Scripture which address this very matter. And um, we teach that the health of the church and the strength of the church is maintained through its through its own testing of its own teaching and practice and its own confession according to scripture. And so I think that's the that's the main compelling first order theological reason that it's vital. And I think for the for the health of the church, the Lutheran churches around the world who have ordained women have often done so with the rhetoric ringing in everyone's ears that this is going to be a wonderful step forward for the mission of the church. You're going to have more people available as pastors. The church is going to grow. It's going to be more egalitarian. It's going to be more diverse and open, and people will accept it better and so on. Well, it hasn't happened anywhere. And so I think 
for the theological and simple practical good of the church, the health of the church, the ordination of women must not go forward. But we don't know what will happen, Todd. It's in God's hands. I, like many others, are praying. I've left the LCA now. I'm a member of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, but I still have a heart for my brothers and sisters. Why did you sign that letter of confession? I signed that letter of confession for the same reason that many other pastors and lay people did. And by the way, over 560 pastors and lay people have now signed that, and many more are likely to do so. It's because I believe that we need to confess the truth of the scriptures in the face of false teaching and practice, and that we need to put that forward clearly. And because basically as a, an ordained Lutheran pastor and as a Christian, I'm conscience-bound to sign that letter, and that's why I've done so. What do you think about the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's recent response to this issue in the LCA? I'm very grateful for it because I think that another large Lutheran church body has come out and said, yeah, we support this biblical position that you guys are taking. And this is very helpful and encouraging. It's the mutual conversation and consolation of brothers and sisters from across the Pacific saying to us, yeah, you are on the right track, people. This is the truth and you've got it right. We're with you. And I think that that's been extremely meaningful for many people in the LCA who are in the same position as me, having signed the letter. I think that it uh, helps to give people boldness in taking up their position with a good conscience with confidence, and even with joy, knowing that others are with you. Folks, you can read a letter of confession and LCMS Pledge of Support to Confessional Lutherans in Australia on the Talk On Demand archives page at issuesetc.org. Dr. Stephen Peach is Professor of Practical Theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, formerly served as a professor at Australian Lutheran College, and he's one of the signatories of a letter of confession. Dr. Peach, thank you very much. Thank you, Todd. When we come back, the Illinois governor has signed a new law that penalizes crisis pregnancy centers. We'll find out about it with Brian Westbrook, executive director of Coalition Life. Remember, our Lord promised us this. He promised us that the world would hate us if we were true to Him. San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione speaking at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. He gave us the last beatitude, both in Matthew's version and Luke's version, that we're to rejoice when they ridicule us and utter evil against us unjustly. We're to rejoice. The apostles in the Acts, they rejoiced that they were able to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. So it's up to us to keep the flame of faith and true alive in the darkness. The truth cannot be suppressed. Let us be witnesses of that. You can watch and listen to Archbishop Cordelione's presentation, Making the Case for Speaking the Truth to Power, and all of the teachings from this year's conference for a donation of $300 by Labor Day. It's available via on-demand video streaming or podcast. 
Learn more at issuesetc.org or by giving us a call, 618-223-8385. Declaring to you the whole counsel of God, you're listening to Issues Etc. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's life ministry is thousands of people sharing Christ's love and mercy and giving witness to our Lord's creation of life, His design for marriage and the family, and the God-given value of all human life from conception to natural death. Working with many partners, LCMS Life Ministries sponsors human care efforts that meet the needs of body and soul and provides resources and educational events for all ages. To learn more, email lifeministry at lcms.org and visit lcms.org life. Is your child struggling at school? Are you thinking about homeschooling? Would you like help knowing what to teach and how to teach it? The Simply Classical curriculum from Memoria Press provides an enriching, step-by-step classical Christian education for students who have autism, learning or behavioral difficulties, ADHD, and more. You'll find everything you need, including daily lesson plans to guide your way. Learn more at simplyclassical.com. Use LPR23 to save on your order. simplyclassical.com. <laughs> 